Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur of Turf Show Times. With me, as always, J.B. Scott for our midweek check-in with the Los Angeles Rams, your favorite football team. And this week, they take on a different Los Angeles football team, the Chargers at SoFi Stadium, technically a home game for the Chargers. But I don't know who shows up. Uh, I don't. I live in Los Angeles. If I see any football gear it's not usually an LA team. If it is, it's probably going to be the Rams. Haven't seen a ton of Chargers fans here yet, but I don't really think that's why the NFL moved teams to LA anyway. So we can talk about that. We can talk about SoFi Stadium. We can talk about the Chargers. Let's start by talking about the Rams who have, you know, I like how we do this thing where we just as uh, football fans, media, whatever, we talk about however long ago in the past fits a narrative. So I could say the Rams have won two of their last three games. You know, I could also say that uh, the Rams have lost uh, seven of their last nine games, but I'd rather just say that the Rams have won two of their last three Baker Mayfield basically starting both of those games don't really and nobody really remembers John Wolford starting against the Raiders but the Rams certainly are improving their record as it was a few weeks ago when it was three and nine now a chance to finish seven and ten if the Rams can beat the Chargers and the Seahawks and certainly after demolishing the Broncos 51 to 14 maybe higher expectations for the Rams offense this week JB, let's start by talking about the most recent game again. Had a few days to think about it. And do you think it's really set in that the uh, Rams just scored 51 points? And do you think that, you know, we might see at least a decent offensive performance this week against the Chargers? Yeah, I'm still riding the high from you know the Christmas Day game. And it's all because this offensive line is really gelling and you've had continuity where there, you have the same five guys, you know, starting and building that, that chemistry. And really it's all coming together. They've had a great last three to four week stretch uh, kind of came apart against, against the Packers. Right. But really the offense, they just didn't have a lot of opportunities, didn't have a lot of snaps and the defense was just on the field the entire game. So uh, this is, that's just a weird one. I think we can chalk that one up to just being unique, but uh, the Packers pass rush, like I, they haven't had Joey Boza for most of the year. Cleo Mack flashes at times, but really there's no one else that scares you outside of maybe Morgan Fox, who the Rams know pretty well. And he's more of a situational pass rusher. If they get a stop on first down and it turns into second or third and long, he's going to come on the field and really get after the quarterback. But if this offensive line holds up, they can create openings for Cam Akers to run. And as physical as he's been, he's been, he's been creating yardage after contact. So uh, yeah, you're definitely seeing the path for success for this Rams offense and just a matter of the offensive line continuing to hold up and allowing the skilled players to do work. And how are you not how can you not be excited about what Baker Mayfield's done so far in his first three games? A winning record uh, when other quarterbacks have looked just hopeless on this Rams team and with and he's playing without Ben Skronik, even no Allen Robinson, no Cooper Cup. Tyler Higby's the number one wide receiver and Van Jefferson and Toots Batwell were mixed in sparingly last week. So who knows where the production is going to come from, but at least you feel optimistic that if this offensive line holds together, they can get something done against this Chargers team. Yeah, you know, pretty interesting that uh, crediting Mayfield with the win over the Raiders, if you do that, 
um, if the Rams win their last two games, Baker Mayfield will have won more games with the Rams this season than Matthew Stafford. So try to make sense of that. And it's not out of the line to suggest that, you know, even uh, though the Chargers and Seahawks both are middling teams uh, that have had slightly better seasons, I think the Seahawks maybe right now, I think the Seahawks are worse than the Rams, but the Chargers are definitely better than the Rams, but still the Seahawks beat the Chargers. The Chargers have always been capable of losing games to any team, the same for the Seahawks. So it's not out of line to suggest that Mayfield and the Rams could win their last two games have a respectable record. You know, the Rams basically went 0-3 with John Wolford and Bryce Perkins, which means it's not that out of line to say that, hey, if the Rams had gotten 2021 Matthew Stafford in those three games where they had Wolford and Perkins, they're a winning team, they're a playoff team. Um, and it's pretty typical, if not usual, for teams that won the Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl to just be average the next year, to just be kind of middling, to maybe sneak into the playoffs at 10 and seven and make a run. You know, the Bengals were 10 and seven last year, right? So it's like anything could happen if you had just gotten to that point. So the difference right now between the Rams this year and last year, maybe in terms of total value, it's not, it's, it's pretty different than last year, but maybe in terms of the Rams as what they looked uh, like a month ago versus say, a team like the Chargers, I don't think it's that big of a gap. And so the biggest differences are just more specific. The Rams offense was good last year. It's terrible this year. You know, it's it's more along the lines of those kinds of major differences in terms of the Rams being able to score points versus not being able to score points. And last year, they were definitely able to score points. And this year, they were one of the worst in the NFL, um, aided in large part now from a 51-point outburst against a Broncos team that was top five in total defense going into last week. So pretty shocking to see that. But I still think with Baker Mayfield, and I wrote about this on Wednesday morning when I was talking about Zach Wilson and the potential of getting a new backup there Um, I know that a lot of people just, they have these guttural reactions to names and they're like, oh, everybody's making fun of Zach Wilson right now. So if you bring him up, that means I need to make fun of him. That means I need to make fun of you for even suggesting Zach Wilson. Well, listen, you're talking about a guy who cost a million dollars and was the number two pick a couple of years ago or last year as potentially being added for a day three pick or something like that. I'm just suggesting someone who's clearly better than going into the year with Wolford and Perkins assuming that Baker Mayfield is going to go somewhere where he has a chance to start. But JB, I'm still on this belief. We've got way more evidence of Baker Mayfield being at best someone who needs to compete to start and not as a starter this year alone. The Browns couldn't find a suitable trade partner until they finally got the Panthers to agree after Mayfield took a significant pay cut. The Panthers cut him because he was the worst quarterback in the league or you know, neck and neck with Zach Wilson, at least. And now we're coming off of a very impressive performance for a guy who just got to the team. But what's going to happen this week? What's going to happen in next week? And how many teams are going to be, you know, falling over themselves to just hand Baker Mayfield a starting job when he had all of camp with the Panthers and was terrible. And I'm not saying that the Panthers are a good situation, but what good situation can Baker Mayfield really expect to land himself in next year? Unless the 49ers are going to give him a job, 
you know, maybe you could suggest the Jets or the Commanders or something like that. But I, I mean, he still needs to prove himself. So I don't really know yet if uh, Baker Mayfield will be able to earn just like, here's a starting gig. You got it. You know, I think that he still has to go out there and compete. And that's why, you know, it's sort of like going back to school for a year if you're a junior or if you've got more eligibility left and someone's saying, you know, you could really improve your stock or you could really improve your your development if you just wait a little bit longer and try and, you know, get comfortable with the game, with the playbook and be in a better situation. Where do you see Baker Mayfield's future in 2023? Well, seeing him go to the 49ers, that's the kind of stuff nightmares are made of. And absolutely, uh, that would haunt me in my dreams to see him as a division rival and somewhere where he could be really successful just because Kyle Shanahan knows what the bare minimum that he can be successful with at quarterback. And Brock Purdy, uh, the, the last pick of the entire NFL draft, comes in and he's really held up and held his own uh, whenever Jimmy Garoppolo went down with injuries. So uh, that would be probably not a very good thing for the Rams if Mayfield went across the division. But yeah, I think whatever you thought of Mayfield at this point, whenever he signed with the team, uh, you have to feel better about him after these three games. And, you know, the degree of difficulty was extremely high. He has almost no receivers that are left that he's throwing to. There's no Allen Robinson. There's no Cooper Cup. And, you know, even you had a game of Ben Skronik and he was gone after that. So, uh, I mean, just whenever you think about the situation with the Browns and what Deshaun Watson's going through, and, you know, that was a pretty high-profile acquisition that they had this offseason. And they probably would like to see a lot more success up to this point. But maybe we underestimate how tough a situation that was and how great of a play caller, offensive mind Kevin Stefanski is. And, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. is another player that left and became more productive once he was gone. And, you know, I'm not sure anyone could really be successful with Matt Rule and the Panthers team. They got better as soon as they fired their head coach. And that was even after losing someone like Christian McCaffrey as well. So and Robbie Anderson. So like maybe we're just not giving him enough credit for how much he had to overcome in those situations. And, you know, he's overcome a lot with the Rams even, but I think if there's a someone from the Sean McVay coaching tree, maybe like a Wes Phillips who's in Minnesota now with Kevin O'Connell, if he gets a head coaching job or maybe Thomas Brown and not as he's just a head coach, I guess it's just the easiest way to, to justify his role with the Rams, right? Cause he was the tight ends coach, running back coach. He's been all over the place, but if he gets a head coaching job, maybe he understands there's some talent around him. Maybe he's seen enough from Baker Mayfield to bring him with him at that point. So uh, any coach of the Sean McVay tree, Kyle Shanahan as well, they know how to maximize his value. And I think he's going to be a starter next year, but, you know, selfishly, I'd like to see him stay with the Rams. I mean, for me, again, you know, it is somewhat selfish, but it's also not selfish. I really think we need to, Give these guys some better advice. Get it out of their heads that they are as good as we tell them that they are when they have one good game. You know, I mean, really, like some of these, when you have 60 to 70% of first round quarterbacks or busts, when you have these guys who are just thrown, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Mac Jones, you know, maybe. Did any of these guys go to good situations? I mean, we talk about Mac Jones being on the Patriots, but the Patriots are getting such a strong reputation off of Tom Brady being the greatest of all time. He's throwing to Nelson Aguilar last year as his number one receiver, or Jacoby Myers, or Jonu Smith, and Hunter Henry. And it's like, listen, you know, I mean, anybody could tell. Look, Patrick Mahomes went to a Chiefs team that was consistently going to the playoffs and had a good quarterback, and had Andy Reid as a head coach, 
The Chiefs traded up from 27 to 10 to get him. Josh Allen goes to a Bills team that was 9-7 and seven and a wildcard team the year before he got there with Tyrod Taylor. These teams just upgraded, you know, and it's like Patrick Mahomes sat for a year. You know, it's very interesting, like, to just think about how just because a couple of rookie quarterbacks had success, now all of a sudden this pressure is on them. Go out there and do it right now. Baker Mayfield goes to a team coincidentally with Tyrod Taylor that had been one in 31 the two years before he got there and was still tasked with working for Hugh Jackson. They didn't even fire the coach. So, and then he gave it, he was given Freddie kitchens. Now you've got Sean McVay. Do not go. It's selfish. It's not selfish. It's like, just go like be with a good team. Why are you going to leave this team and say, go to, uh a situation like i don't know the houston texans or the indianapolis colts you're going to go to the indianapolis colts because they're offering you a chance to start and you know i don't know what their situation is on the offensive line outside of quentin nelson is obviously a hall of fame type player uh you know it's like what's the what's the situation they've got a head coach probably he's gonna have to come in and be brand new and figure that all out just chill you know it's like Steve Young or or whatever situation you want to compare it to, there is something to be benefited from if you just chill and try and be on a good team, try and land in a good situation, wait for your opportunity. You know, Steve Young didn't get his opportunity until he was 29, 30, after he looked like garbage with the Buccaneers in his first two years. And when he finally got his opportunity, it wasn't too late for him to be a Hall of Fame MVP quarterback who won a Super Bowl. So I think there's such an allure now to be the star, to be the guy, because we're living in an age of social media and, you know, uh, uh, just a hyper focus on everything you do every moment of every day. You can get millions of dollars if you're a starter or you can, you know, not get as many millions of dollars if you're just a, a high quality backup. But I really think like why we are pushing these guys. Oh, you had one good game. So let's push you into a situation where now you have to be the savior of a team. Baker, you're not the savior of a team. You weren't the savior of the Panthers. You weren't the savior of the Browns and you're not the savior of the Rams. So I I really think that that's doing him a disservice to tell Baker Mayfield you're ready again because he was just get let go by two teams. He went on waivers and nobody picked him up except for the Rams. He has got to try and Think about being in the best situation for 20, for the next 20 years, not just for next year. And I think like, that's my, I keep making the same plea to him just as I would make the same plea to, you know, like if I'm the, again, like who are the two of the smartest moves in NFL history, JB, John Elway refusing to play for the Colts and Eli Manning refusing to play for the Chargers. They both won multiple Super Bowls because they said, I'm not going to that franchise. I'm not out of my mind. And if I'm Bryce Young or whoever ends up being the number one pick, I'm not going to the Houston Texans. Like if I'm that good, I'm sorry. If it gives me a bad reputation for a little while to get out of a going to a terrible franchise like the Houston Texans, I'm doing that if I'm that good enough to go to another team. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? 
I guess on the flip side, you have someone like Trevor Lawrence, who's with the Jaguars, and we know what he went through with Urban Meyer as a head coach in his first year, and it's just been a long process for him to overcome that, and the Jaguars have somehow circled back into the playoff hunt. Maybe they win that division, the AFC South, because no one else seems to want to accomplish that feat, but I mean, that was a grueling two years that he's had. And we saw Joe Burrow in Cincinnati where, you know, he tours ACL as a rookie and that really could have put him behind the eight ball, but he's risen hit to an elite level of play here in 2022. And they've been as good as any team of the last you know season and a half. So maybe those are two counter arguments to the examples you provided, but either way, yeah, it's just, we don't put enough, we don't give enough credit to the supporting cast and the situations and the it's even the coaching staff, it's even the front office that these young players are going into when they're 22, 23 years old. It's really just asking a lot of these young adults. And, you know, I think Matthew Stafford playing 17 games plus maybe up to four in the postseason next year, that's probably an outlier and maybe the less likely outcome out of him, you know, missing at least one, two, three, four games. And as we saw this season, maybe, you know, at least put you on the fringe of the playoff conversation where if the Rams were even better to start the year, but you drop those three or four games because you have your backup in there, you might be on the outside looking in. But if you're on the tournament, you, if you're in the tournament, you at least have a chance to contend. And that's what this roster is built to do is, you know, once you're in the, the the playoffs and you have a wild card game or whatever, you can you can make a run. You have the talent to compete against anyone. But, uh, you know, having John Walker, or John Wolford or Bryce Perkins is in there and they don't give you a shot to win in the middle of the season and you drop those games and you, you have a slide. Well, that could really derail the whole thing. And that wastes years of Aaron Donald's career, years of Jalen Ramsey and Cooper Cups, you know, what they're available, what they're available to do in, now and in the future. So. And, you know, John Wolford had Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson whenever he made his first start against the Cardinals, and he's the one that got Cooper Cup hurt, and Allen Robinson went out pretty much the next week. So uh, that's, you know, he's he was a deduction more than an, an addition, right? So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of – this is a complicated conversation. We talk about quarterbacks. Sometimes we overvalue the individuals that play quarterback, and, you know, just football is the ultimate team game, and we have to remind ourselves of that sometimes. Absolutely. It is. It is that uh, part of it. I do. Uh, and I do place, you know, a lot of I think I'm even a little higher on the value of quarterbacks than most people. But absolutely, I think that you need to be in a good situation. I mean, if I provide a counterpoint to your counterpoint is like Trevor Lawrence being in Jacksonville, you know, he may be so good that he can eventually lead the Jaguars to the Super Bowl. Maybe Doug Peterson was like, oh, what a lucky replacement for Urban Meyer. You've got Doug Peterson and maybe he goes on to, you know, just be great. Peyton Manning, you know, going to the Colts, which I think the Colts uh, are one of the worst franchises in the league. I think Jim Irsay is bottom three owner in the league. Peyton Manning arguably the most talented quarterback of all time went to three AFC championship games in 14 years. You know, he reached two Super Bowls. Uh, he won one against Rex Grossman. That was the only team that was like this. There you go. What an opportunity. What a gift you're getting the bears with Rex Grossman. I think that the Colts kept us or robbed uh, Peyton Manning fans from potentially seeing three or four Super Bowl wins. You know, Dan Marino goes to the Miami Dolphins second year, similar to Trevor Lawrence, uh, breaks out. He's like at the MVP. They reach the Super Bowl. They lose. Um, and then Dan Marino never gets anywhere close to a Super Bowl. We might see 
Joe Burrow change the franchise of the Bengals. We might not, you know, it's, it's very interesting. I'm very supportive of these quarterbacks. That's the thing is I'm such a quarterbacks fan. I hate to see them wasted. Uh, Matthew Stafford, 12 years on the lions wasted. Uh, And, and, and we'll see if maybe lions, which, you know, with their change in sort of with Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, will that work out for them? We don't know yet, but I think there are better organizations um, and I think right now the Rams, because they have a lot of money, to, you know, I don't even think Stan Kroenke is a great owner necessarily, except for one thing, which is he's not really involved, you know, well, that's what you want really is somebody who is willing to like, who manages to get the best front office uh, and they land a great coach and then they find a way to get a good, good, great quarterback and I think that because the Rams just have an open bank account and a blank check, that's what makes them successful. So I think that that could be a good situation for Baker Mayfield, because as you said, we don't know what the timeline is for Matthew Stafford, really. We don't know how many how much longer he can play. And that's why I think that because Baker Mayfield probably will leave in free agency, try and buy low on someone like Zach Wilson, because you're just not going to be able to draft a guy with that much talent at your draft position. So I think that Zach Wilson has a ton of talent. I just don't think that he has any idea what to do with it. He doesn't have coaches or he hasn't had coaches, I guess, who have put him in the best position. I don't think that we really talk enough about how the Jets, other than Garrett Wilson, a rookie, uh, and, and since the loss of Brees Hall, the running back, another rookie, kind of, Crappy players. I mean, nobody really, uh, you know, we definitely see uh, Mike White be better than Wilson and Flacco. So we'll see if uh, those players can elevate their games. But bad offensive line, bad weapons um, outside of, you know, Garrett Wilson so far. But we'll see. We'll see. They're not talking about the Jets today. Uh, I, I get distracted. But, yeah, I think we're both on the same page that every quarterback needs help. Um, and uh, Matthew Stafford. Baker Mayfield, you know, the Rams didn't really give good help here up front on the offensive line. Um, and it's kind of just been fortunate these uh, this last week to have everything click and work well against the Denver Broncos on Christmas. Now, another AFC West team, the Chargers, you know, we were talking a little bit before the podcast what is the identity of the Chargers? Who knows the Chargers? What are we looking for here with the Chargers? We know that Brandon Staley has familiarity with the Rams, although it was a very short stint, one year's defensive coordinator. Um, he's right next door with the other LA team. Do you think that the Chargers, um, which they've clinched a playoff spot, they could finish 11 and six, which is a really good record if they get there. Um, do you think that the Chargers, are a formidable like team in the AFC playoffs. Honestly, I don't see it from them. And that game that they had to win against the Colts in order to clinch the playoffs, whenever the Colts had Nick Foles out there throwing deep bombs that continuously got intercepted, I think any pass over 20 yards, he had three interceptions and you know very minimal amount of completions. So uh, that was an ugly win for them. And the, the degree of difficulty, the bar wasn't very high. And I know you're a big fan of Justin Herbert, but – he just reminds me a lot of maybe like, a, like even Philip Rivers. Like it's kind of fitting that they both went to the Chargers where 
you know, nine out of 10 plays, they do the right thing and they're good, but they don't really do enough to get their team over the hump. And I know there's Joe Lombardi's, you know, he's been criticized often as the offensive coordinator, maybe being hyper conservative and maybe leaning too heavy on the run. Well, they, they throw the ball at a high frequency, but maybe leaning too much on these you know, high, high frequency or high, you know, efficiency plays instead of pushing the ball down the field. But like, if you're the quarterback at some point, I know this is just kind of counterintuitive to the conversation we just had, but you have to go above and beyond what's being asked of you and really elevate your team. And I just, I just haven't seen that from him. It's not that we won't see him from him in the future, but whenever you talk about these other, you know, the AFC looks so crowded in the playoffs versus the NFC that looks kind of wide open. But whenever you're talking about competing against Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and the Bengals and Josh Allen and the Bills, I just don't see them having a shot really. And that also depends on the health of Joey Boza. Uh, Derwin James had a concussion. Maybe they're going to rest him up this regular season and get him ready for the playoffs but I just don't think they have the firepower. Their receivers, Mike Williams is, you know, he's kind of limited. He's a contested catch guy. And, you know, Keenan Allen really only catches passes under, you know, that 12 to eight yard range. And I I don't really think he scares you in a big way. So, yeah. And, you know, half the passes go to Austin Eckler and they just kind of throw that him, let him go to work. But if I'm the Chiefs or I'm the Bills or I'm the Bengals, I'm not worried about this one at all. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're right. I, I've been a Justin Herbert fan. He's always been sort of subdued a uh, little bit. He kind of like intentionally flies under the radar. And, you know, where he stacks up in among quarterbacks is definitely something I have to concede is an open debate. It's an argument. You know, it's it's like we'll see where he eventually winds up in in, you know, over the course of the next, say, five to six years, I think, you know, Losing your left tackle, Rayshon Slater, who was an all-pro as a rookie early in the season, that's got to change in offense. Keenan Allen has missed most of the season, I think. Uh, I, you know, now he's back. Mike Williams has never been a very interesting or good player in my mind. Like he can do his thing of being Mike Williams. And that's the one thing that he does of, you know, he's not, he should never be a team's number one or only option. Certainly I think it would be interesting to see, you know, uh, Justin Herbert with a bit more of a better supporting cast and and something that the chargers um, add skill players or try to upgrade their skill players around Justin Herbert. They don't go after any other receiver. You know, they've they've gone after Josh Palmer. Um they've they've they didn't done anything outside since getting Herbert. They go, we got Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. What are you going to do? Keenan Allen's, you know, 30 coming up on there. He he got to have something else. Mike Williams is not a number one option. Austin Eckler is not a running back, you know, he's something else. So all the things that the Chargers could have done for Justin Herbert outside of Rayshon Slater, I don't think they really have done. I will say that you're right. Like what, without that, like, is Justin Herbert that guy like Patrick Mahomes who can just be good and win games anyway? You know, Patrick Mahomes is special. So I, I thought maybe he could be that he would be an MVP candidate by now honestly i've said that i put that out there i've said within five years of his career herbert will win an mvp in a super bowl i said that you know so we'll see if he he can do that in the next couple of years you know he's got a chance this year to get to the super bowl but the chargers 21st in dvoa at football outsiders overall 25th on offense 15th on defense 11th on special teams so we're seeing them kind of below average 
to maybe average uh, on offense, defense, and special teams. Overall, below average, which is surprising, you know, for a team that is nine and six. And Herbert, 19th in defensive adjusted yards above replacement. So, you know, with that metric, he's a below average quarterback. Uh, 21st in DVOA, which is defense adjusted value over average. Take all of this stuff with a grain of salt. But overall, they've basically ranked Justin Herbert with Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota and Daniel Jones. And we talk about Justin Herbert like he's Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, that era or that range of quarterback. How much of that is having a mediocre supporting cast, probably a bad supporting cast, honestly, for taking in every game into account? We don't know. I don't know. Um, but I have to concede that being average is maybe the best we can say of Justin Herbert right now. And where he goes from there or where he goes from here remains to be seen. In his last couple of games, he's only thrown interceptions, uh, but the Chargers are winning. So we'll see just sort of where that goes. He has been sacked a ton. Uh, looking at just the last six games he's been sacked 25 times uh which is a ton it's probably the most in the league honestly i don't know i don't have that in front of me exactly um but how confident are you this week without aaron donald again in the rams ability to pressure justin herbert yeah and you have michael hoyt who has been productive on the edge ever since that chiefs game where the rams moved him from the interior to the outside and, you know, he just flashes at times. He's not necessarily getting that done on a consistent basis, but he's also held up more in the run department over the last few weeks as well. So that's encouraging. And then you have uh, Laurel Murchison, who came over from the Titans, who had the hat trick, the two-and-a-half sack game against the Broncos. Can he sustain that level of production? Probably an unrealistic expectation to have for him, right? But maybe if he flashes as a pass rusher, uh, he can be a part of the 2023 plan too. So whenever you talk about this depth along the defensive line, you know, Bobby Brown is another young name that steps out, a former fourth-round pick, where he doesn't show up on the box score all the time, but he does a really great job collapsing the pocket and getting in the quarterback's face. And that's going to cause errant throws. That's going to cause bad decisions or, hurt or rush throws too. And that's going to give your defensive backs chances to make plays on the ball. Which brings in the the conversation. What a last great couple of weeks Jacoby Durant's had, you know, against the Seahawks, against the Packers, against you know the Broncos last week. So he's really rounding into form after you know being a, mostly a special teams type player over the last month before that. So can he can he also you know step up in this game and maybe make life difficult for Justin Herbert because you know Jalen Ramsey's most likely going to draw that Mike Williams matchup and you know Bobby Wagner just has played all over the field. He has a tough draw against Austin Eckler. It's going to be a long day if the Rams ask Wagner to match up against Eckler in coverage or go chase him down. So how do you use Wagner instead? How do you leverage his talents? Is he going to be an interior pass rusher mostly? Is he? The Chargers also don't really run the ball, so that kind of doesn't suit Wagner's strengths either. So how, I'm curious of how you reinforce that middle of the defense. Do we see Ernest Jones more than we normally do? So uh, a lot of questions, but I think you can definitely see the Rams kind of, if you can create some turnovers, and create some mismatches, uh, you can give Baker Mayfield and the offense a chance to come out with this one. Moving over to uh, the D, uh, uh, the Rams offense versus the Chargers defense. Chargers ranked 15th in DVOA. They're ninth against the pass, but they're 28th against the run. So, you know, Brandon Staley's run defense has been one of the worst in the NFL. 
And it's kind of interesting, you know, one of the th- other things that the Chargers have lost among, you know, this is just sort of a running theme every year with the Chargers, Joey Bosa, you know, he hasn't been out there and he won't be out there. JC Jackson, one of the big free agent signings won't be out there. Lots of losses there. Derwin James, he missed a, f- a couple games earlier in the year. Um, and then he put himself into concussion protocol with that hit last week. So, they constantly find themselves, you know, sort of uh, losing these players. They will have a couple familiar faces out there like Sebastian Joseph Day, who has kind of elevated himself into being, a, you know, from where he started with the Rams to being a pretty quality defensive tackle. And we'll see. Um, I don't know how, if they're playing Morgan Fox very often, but Morgan Fox, who does have five and a half sacks this year, uh, has also been a part of that defense. Uh, so that's kind of another interesting wrinkle is that the Rams will have some familiar faces out there and, and with their bad run defense, you know, maybe another opportunity here for, for Cam Akers. And maybe we're talking more about Cam Akers than we are talking about Baker Mayfield. What, what do you think? Do you think Cam Akers or Baker Mayfield is more likely to come out of this as the, as the main, uh, ingredient towards a success if the Rams do have that? Yeah, the Chargers are going to do a good job of playing that Brandon Staley, Vic Fangio-type defense where they put a shell on top of your coverage. And it's going to be hard to push the ball down the field. If the Rams lean heavily on the pass, it's going to be to Tyler Higby, Bryson Hopkins, and the underneath routes again. So that makes me, you know, lean more towards Cam Akers on this game, having a higher level of production. And, you know, he had three touchdowns last week. He looked unstoppable. And maybe the, you know, the cameraman behind the end zone did a better job tackling him than the Broncos ever did last week. So, uh, he's been physical and, you know, he's created yards at, outside what the offensive line is giving him. And it's been impressive to watch. And, you know, we'll see where the future, what the future holds. Maybe the Rams are building up his, his market and flipping him for a trade this off season. Or maybe he's part of the 2023 plan. Uh, time will tell what is truly the case, but you have to feel much better about Cam Akers where he was you know, now than where he was in the middle of the season you know, towards a trade deadline. Another familiar face this weekend will be tight end Gerald Everett, who spent four years on the Rams and was never able to elevate himself in the depth chart over Tyler Higby. And obviously the Rams chose Tyler Higby over Everett, and he went to the Seahawks for a year, and now he's on the Chargers. And in 14 games, Everett has been targeted a career high 79 times, career high 52 catches, career high 532 yards. This could be dependent on situation, uh, maybe helped out a little bit by the quarterback and the offense. But knowing that the Rams do have no depth behind Tyler Higby, do you feel like Gerald Everett has been a loss? Well, whenever you haven't really replaced him since he left and went to sign with the Seahawks that year in the offseason, I mean, Bryson Hopkins was the next, the subsequent draft pick, right? You had Johnny Munt for a while, but really the, those two couldn't be more stark difference in players. So Bryson Hopkins was your next draft pick. He really hasn't been on the field much. Was a Super Bowl hero, of course, last year against the Bengals, right? And then, you know, had a big game against the Broncos last year, three catches for 57 yards. So that's encouraging to see. But, you know, Tyler Higby is the, the primary option, and it seems like he's getting healthier now. And maybe he's going to be on the field more often, a more focal point of this offense. But, you know, Gerald Everett's a very frustrating player. He's so inconsistent. And part of what he does is running with the ball well after he already has made the catch. So the hard part is getting the ball in his hands sometimes. And I've always kind of thought maybe he'd be better off as, you know, running back type player. Uh, I know that's a pretty stark position change for someone to make. But, 
it's just frustrating when you have someone who's so electric and can make plays with the balls in their hands, but you know, they're not really a polished enough football player to run clean routes and create separation. So your quarterback can find them and find them in stride. So I, maybe we're just always going to be scratching our head and wondering and wanting more from Gerald Everett, kind of like what the Rams had in Jared Cook for many years back in their St. Louis days. So, uh, you know, tight ends are, there's very few good ones. And if you don't have one of those top echelon type players, you're kind of just left wanting more. And that's just the way it is. You know, there's a, there is a lot of talented, and I agree with you on Gerald Everett, uh, uh, is there's a lot of talented players on the Chargers, um, but they're they're really only as good as their weakest link. And it seems like they've got quite a few weak links, but they've also got some like guys who could be all pro types, pro bowl types for sure. If they were ever to stay healthy and put to whole, together a whole season, you know, I know that for me, if I could steal anybody off of the Chargers for the Rams, I'm looking at Rayshon Slater. I'm saying, there you go. Take Rayshon Slater, put him at left tackle next year. You've got a 22, 23, whatever he is, year old left tackle who's going to be great maybe for 15 years. It's almost so obvious to me that I would think that you probably say the same thing, but maybe not, maybe not because you could go with Justin Herbert. You could go with Joey Bosa. You could go with Derwin James. They do have a lot of talented players. Who would you steal off of the Chargers? Yeah, I think I'd go with Derwin James just because whenever I think about him in a secondary with Jalen Ramsey, that just creates just so many mismatch problems for opposing offenses. And if you think you're avoiding one, you're going to find the other just because how do you avoid two players like that who are so dynamic and so versatile and they can do a lot of different things. So I know we've been up and down on Ramsey at times this year, but uh, in some parts, I think Ramsey's struggles have been due to not having reliable players next to him in the secondary, you know, starting outside back cor- or corner on the boundary, uh, you know, P- Troy Hill's been in and out in the slot and, you know, the safeties haven't really been too consistent either because, you know, Nick Scott's been maybe the one player, but Taylor Rapp struggled. And then you were seeing Russ East out there for most of the time. Now, Jordan Fuller has been a complete absentee. So um, it'd be interesting to watch, but I, I think you need another star next to uh, Jalen Ramsey and Derwin James would be an interesting fit. Yeah, you know, Derwin James, one of those interesting cases of a guy who for so long was getting top three draft buzz. And then when the draft came around, it's like people had so done such a good job of talking themselves out of Derwin James that he fell to 17 and was immediately the best safety in the NFL for his type of safety. You know, what he does as a safety, he was an all pro as a rookie, missed a lot of time so far with injuries, a lot, but still. You would rather have Derwin James than most players in the 2018 draft. The 16 players drafted ahead of Derwin James, JB, Baker Mayfield, Saquon Barkley, Sam Darnold, Denzel Ward, Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, the quarterback Josh Allen, Roquan Smith, Mike McGlinchey, Josh Rosen, Minka Fitzpatrick, Vida Vea, Deron Payne, Marcus Davenport, Colton Miller, Tremaine Edmonds. Certainly, you can list some really good players in there. Josh Allen, Quentin Nelson, Vita Vea. Where would you draft Derwin James out of those 17 players? Where do you think you would rank him with hindsight? Well, outside of Earl Thomas, taking a safety in the top 10 picks hasn't really worked out for any franchise. It's just a it's a position that's in a weird state of flux right now in the NFL in terms of value. And all these defenses, the Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley type defenses are extremely safety friendly. They let you play from depth and come down onto the play. 
doesn't really challenge you one-on-one a lot of times with other players. So it's a different kind of skill set that you're looking for. And, you know, Derwin James, and we don't, he doesn't necessarily play a position that we would think of as a traditional safety, right? Like he's in the box, he's moving around. He's kind of playing in the slot at times too. So when they play the Chiefs, they're matching up against Travis Kelsey for most of the game. And there's not a lot of defensive backs that can match up one-on-one against Travis Kelsey most of the time. So if you can find a player that transcends the value of the position, I think you have to consider him as a, as a top five pick, regardless of who else is out there, because uh, he gives you so much flexibility as, as a play caller on defense. And whenever you have to find ways to stop these explosive offenses and create problems for them. And, you know, Whenever you have those joker players that can do a lot, it helps you do that. You know, and I'd also, you know, interesting part about the 2018 draft, which is get a lot of hype for all the quarterbacks that went early. And and you've got uh, a lot of big names for sure that went in the first round. But interestingly, for any Rams fans out there who want to get hyped up for the 2023 draft, knowing that the Rams, you know, are, are sending their top five top 10 pick over to the lions don't lose hope you know other team other players that were drafted in 218 2018 uh who not drafted in the first round nick chubb orlando brown darius slash shaquille leonard mark andrews fred warner Cortland sutton harold landry Lots of uh, talented players out there sometimes, often after the first round. So the Rams could definitely uh, come out of this this upcoming class if they they stick with their draft pick in the second round and they'll have ten, maybe up to 10 total picks. Could come away with some good players here and we'll definitely have a lot of time to dig into the 2023 draft. But first, got to get through these next two games. Potentially, you know, two wins here and starting with the Chargers on Sunday afternoon, the move, the game moved from primetime to Sunday afternoon because neither team really has much to play for. The Chargers can improve their playoff standing by the end of the year, perhaps, and that could help them maybe get a more favorable matchup. But other than that, uh, nothing really on the line here other than pride and um, these players showing out to on the Rams to try and you know, prove themselves for next season. And a lot of guys started out this season, not as Rams starters. So lots of opportunities and and opportunities to come back and be stronger next year. And I do think the Rams will have a rebound, assuming that they do all the things that I expect them to do, which of course they won't. So uh, I still expect them to be better next year and potentially maybe better this uh, weekend against the Chargers uh, that's going to be it for this episode of Turf Show Times, the podcast. JB, final thoughts on Rams Chargers. Yeah, I really wish this game had some sort of playoff implications, but it simply doesn't. Uh, I'd be surprised if the Chargers play someone like Derwin James. Now that they've locked up the playoffs, you should give him time to rest and so he's ready for the postseason. But uh, can Baker Mayfield continue to impress? and move this offense along after a season where it's in struggle, it struggled for the entire year. It remains to be seen, but what he did last week against the Broncos was impressive in all facets. And hopefully that continues. That's what the, the Rams would like to see. It's what Rams fans would like to see. And uh, we'll see what we see this Sunday against LAC. So that's it for Turf Show Times, the podcast. Hit subscribe, go to turfshowtimes.com and uh, follow us everywhere on the internet and everywhere you go. 
We'll be back next week, or I should say this weekend, with last-minute thoughts and then an instant reaction podcast following Rams Chargers.